Warning, the content you are about to hear on this podcast contains some explicit language as well as references to violence, gun violence, sexual misconduct, sexual abuse, suicide, and domestic violence. Discretion is advised. I think that I'm just a rock chick. I would describe my music and my sound as everything. The best damn thing. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast, a facts and trivia-based podcast about Canadian pop singer Avril Lavigne. I'm your host, Andrea DeFrancesco. Before we launch into today's episode, let's catch up on the latest Avril news. On March 30th, Avril's home in Malibu was listed for sale. On April 3rd, a trailer was uploaded for the upcoming sixth season of Carpool Karaoke, the series, which shows Avril and Youngblood will appear in an episode together. The series is slated to launch on Apple TV Plus on June 23rd. The same day, Avril was in the studio with John Feldman and Canadian songwriter Simon Wilcox. On April 4th, Avril announced a partnership with the ready-to-drink cocktail brand Beatbox for the Creator Series. Her special edition pink lemonade drink will be available at U.S. retailers only. She said she felt inspired to join the brand after drinking a Beatbox before every studio session and said, The partnership with Beatbox felt right from the start. I have never come across a brand that was as committed to providing their fans with a truly memorable experience, specifically pegged to music, than the Beatbox team. Every facet of the collaboration, down to my involvement with the design of the package itself, felt authentic and true to me. I am excited for people to see the new packaging and let us know what you think. Additionally, fans will also be able to win signed merchandise, life-size cardboard cutouts and custom displays of Avril, and a chance to meet Avril in person. Lastly, the demo version of Bite Me leaked but only a short clip with audio tags is currently publicly available on YouTube. And Head Above Water re-entered the Billboard Christian Digital Song Sales chart at number 14 for the week of April 3rd. And now let's continue on with part two of our series on Avril's past feuds and controversies. Go back to the previous episode for part one, where we covered from let go to the best damn thing eras if you missed it. So just as a little reminder to give a quick disclaimer about the intention of this episode, as I said in part one, The intention of this episode or this topic is not to make Avril look bad or anything, but just to clear up some misunderstandings or give explanations for fans who maybe weren't around at the time that some of these things happened. And every celebrity has bad press or feuds from time to time, or as we'll see later in this episode, has worked with people who either are controversial people or maybe later on turn out to have some controversies of their own. And I think that's just kind of a little bit unavoidable in the world of Hollywood. It seems like as we've been progressing with movements like the Me Too movement, for example, a lot of things come to the surface where it turns out that there's a lot of problematic people in the business. That's just kind of how it is, unfortunately. And so I think if Avril were to just completely avoid every single person who was problematic, she wouldn't be working with a lot of people, probably half the people that she ends up working with, unfortunately. So I don't think that's necessarily always a reflection on her or sometimes these things just don't happen until much later after she's already worked with them. So I just think it's important to bring awareness to it and to make note of it because it is a part of her career. It's a part of her story as an artist. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, as I said in the the previous episode, that this is a facts and trivia podcast about Avril Lavigne. It's about her career. And that means we have to cover everything. It's a very comprehensive all-encompassing podcast where we don't just pick and choose what we cover. We cover literally everything. And my main intention with this episode is that hopefully it will clear up some rumors or shed light on things that happen because there's a lot of stuff out there. If you do research on some of these things, you'll find 
media articles and social media posts and stuff about these things. And like I had said in the previous episode, it doesn't always give the full story of what happened or sometimes you only hear one side of the story and maybe we don't necessarily hear it from Avril's perspective, what necessarily happened. And sometimes the media likes to either exaggerate details or misquote or say things that didn't really happen or weren't really said. And so I think it's just important to, like I had said before, to get the full story of everything. I will say that this episode is a lot darker than the previous episode. As I gave a warning in the beginning, this episode gets pretty dark towards the end when we get to the portion about controversial figures. So just be forewarned about that. So with all that being said, today we're going to cover from the Goodbye Lullaby era through the present, which is roughly from 2010 to now. Lindsay Lohan An article published by Vanity Fair in May 2010 reported that Avril and Lindsay Lohan got into an argument while at the Chateau Marmont Hotel in Los Angeles. Lindsay approached the table where Avril was sitting with then-boyfriend Brody Jenner and friends. Avril then said, Get the hell out of my face. You are fake. You are a loser. I don't like false people. Stay away from me and my friends. Lindsay then tried to get security to kick Avril out. The article cites the New York Post, saying, Sources tell us that the feud kicked off when Lohan snubbed Levine at an event, but settled up to her acting friendly once Levine was sitting with a group at the Chateau Marmont days later. However, according to an article by Us Weekly, Lindsay denies the confrontation ever took place. So, based on that, it leads me to believe that this was most likely a false story planted for publicity or clickbait, although it's also possible that she's just saying it didn't happen because she doesn't come off looking particularly good. I guess we'll never know, but my inclination is to believe that it's a false story planted for publicity. Swearing at Concert During a concert on May 28, 2011 at Tropicana Field after a Tampa Bay Rays game in St. Petersburg, Florida, Avril cursed on stage because her microphones weren't working properly during the opening performance of What the Hell. According to an article by The Globe and Mail, some audience members booed Avril as she was experiencing technical difficulties, to which she then responded with a, quote, profanity-laced explanation, saying live shows often feature a few glitches, especially when they take place at baseball stadiums, end quote. This was later misreported as Avril having sworn at the audience. A spokesman for the team named Rick Vaughn said in a statement, The Rays demand profanity-free performances from all of our concert performers, and we are extremely disappointed by the language used in last night's show. It is not consistent with the family-friendly atmosphere that Tropicana Field is known for. However, there is video footage of the concert available on YouTube from the user Rusty Morris 76 which clearly shows that Avril was swearing because of the technical issues, not at the audience, which the user also notes in the video description. Avril can clearly be heard saying, we're on a fucking baseball field, referring to the technical issues from earlier. Later in the show, she also apologized, saying we just had so much fun tonight and we want to take the tirade out and say thank you to the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm truly sorry if anyone was offended by my language. Additionally, Avril redid the performance of What the Hell later in the show. Another concert attendee uploaded video of the performance under the channel WDWIC Pictures. In the video description, they wrote, The concert started off with the music video for Bad Reputation, followed by the song What the Hell, where the audio was not working. Since the audio was bad, I only recorded parts of the song and I missed the ending of it, and also when she came back on stage and said the F word. Basically, when the song was over, there were some boos, but that was the last of that, once the audio was fixed. Everything went smoothly from then on. It seems to me like the audience was not booing at Avril, but rather at the fact they couldn't hear her. The media blew Avril's remarks out of proportion, making it sound as though she had sworn at the audience or went on a tirade. Her remark was clearly made in a moment of frustration, and her tone was more good-natured sounding than angry. She also apologized and gave an encore performance of the song once the audience could hear her properly. The other thing, too, that I never got about this is that people were complaining that she 
like swore on stage or said an F-bomb on stage and there were kids in the audience, but her music contained swear words and Girlfriend and Smile in particular were both on the set list for this show and both of those songs contain F-bombs in the lyrics. I'm not sure if she performed the Queen versions during the concert, but in general, those songs contain F-bombs, so I'm not sure why people were complaining that she swore on stage when her music has swearing in it anyway. I just always thought that was kind of weird. Bar fight. On November 6, 2011, Avril and then-boyfriend Brody Jenner were reportedly injured in a fight in the early morning hours outside the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. TMZ reported, According to our sources, Avril got into a dust-up shortly before 1 a.m. at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. We're told when Brody tried to intervene, he took a bottle to the head from someone for his troubles. Law enforcement sources tell us hotel security broke up the fight and detained Brody and others involved. Police were called to the hotel, and when all was said and done, we're told the police report listed Brody as the victim of an assault with a deadly weapon. Our sources say Brody was the only one involved who spoke to police. The other combatants, including Avril, had split by the time they arrived. We're told Brody refused medical attention and went to the hospital on his own. No arrests were made. The next day, Avril tweeted about the incident, denying that she instigated the fight. She also posted a photo of her injuries. She wrote, I don't fight. I don't believe in it. To clear things up, I got attacked by five people last night out of nowhere. Not cool. My face is fucked. As in black eye, bloody nose, hair ripped out, scratches, bruises, and cuts. So not okay to be abusive to others. Violence is never the answer. Brody also tweeted, interesting Saturday night. Just got out of the hospital with a new scar on my face. Charges slash chargers. It is unknown who started the fight, and it doesn't appear like Avril or Brody pressed charges. Martin Johnson. In 2013, Avril collaborated with Boys Like Girls frontman Martin Johnson on her fifth studio album. He co-wrote and produced such songs as Here's to Never Growing Up, Seventeen, and Hello Kitty. However, Avril made an interesting tweet on March 30th, 2013 that some fans believe may be referencing him. However, this is not confirmed. She wrote, When someone is willing to burn a bridge, they should make sure they are not still standing on it when they light the match. Unfollowed. Rumors circulated at the time that Martin had dissed Avril singing, which may be what caused her to end their partnership. Other theories are that Avril was unsatisfied with his production work on the Avril Lavigne album. To this day, it has never been addressed by Avril or Martin. Avril Lavigne tour meet and greet photos. When Avril was on tour in Brazil in 2014, she was infamously photographed standing a short distance away from fans during meet and greets. Fans were given instructions by Avril's security not to touch or hug her unless she initiated contact first. While no explanation was ever given by Avril or her team, it's likely the reason for the distanced meet and greets was either due to security reasons or Avril being sick. At this time, she was beginning to experience symptoms of Lyme disease, but had not yet been diagnosed. It's possible they didn't want fans getting sick or fans getting Avril more sick, but it was unknown what she had. There had also been prior security incidents when Avril toured in Brazil with fans jumping on stage or storming the barricade. According to some fans who attended the meet and greet, they were able to get a hug if they asked. Additionally, there were meet and greets done in other countries where Avril stood close to fans. She told Canadian radio station KISS 92.5, I do touch my fans. My fans are very frisky, actually. In some countries where we've had security breaches, it's a little delicate because of things that have happened with stuff I probably shouldn't get into. Taylor Swift These meet and greet photos later caused a point of contention with pop star Taylor Swift after a fan posted a photo collage on Tumblr of Taylor with fans compared with other singers, including Avril, meant to show how much more Taylor interacted with her fans. Taylor reportedly liked the post, which some fans took to mean Taylor agreed with the comparison and was knocking Avril. Avril then tweeted, Comparison is judging, and judging a person does not define who they are, it defines who you are. We all love our fans. Another tweet read, So let's keep it all about the love and stay positive.
However, the bad blood between these two pop princesses didn't last long as Taylor reached out to Avril and invited her to perform as a special guest at the San Diego date of her 1989 world tour in August 2015. The duo delighted the crowd of 44,000 people with a performance of Complicated. They continue to support each other to this day as Avril named Taylor's 2020 album Folklore as one of her favorites, while Taylor sent Avril flowers upon the release of her album Love Sucks in 2022. Hello Kitty Music Video After the release of Avril's music video for her 2014 track Hello Kitty, she was accused of being racist and appropriating Japanese culture. Reasons cited were the female Japanese background dancers who all appeared expressionless, which critics said perpetuated the stereotype of Asian women being submissive. They also thought it was a stereotype of Japanese culture to show Avril as a white woman doing typical tourist activities like eating sushi and drinking sake. In a tweet dated April 23, 2014, Avril responded to the allegations, saying, Racist, lolol. I love Japanese culture and I spend half of my time in Japan. I flew to Tokyo to shoot this video specifically for my Japanese fans with my Japanese label, Japanese choreographers, and a Japanese director in Japan. End quote. An article by Rob Schwartz for Billboard magazine states, While Avril Lavigne's Hello Kitty video has raised the hackles of plenty of Western pundits, thanks to imagery that many perceive as culturally insensitive, robotic, creepy girls in a cupcake-themed stereotype mart that Billboard.com called Japan fetishization, the view from Tokyo is far more sanguine. In fact, one could argue that the country, whose music market is worth close to $3 billion, 16 to 18% of which is international repertoire, mostly Anglo-American, is so used to being misunderstood by the West that this latest pop barrage is hardly worth a flinch. Other Japanese citizens, meanwhile, view the candy cane fluff as a tribute, however shallow to their homeland. Hiro Ugaya, a Tokyo-based journalist and media commentator, is one of those forgivers. I assume that images of cultures outside of one's own in mass media are always different from the reality, he says, acknowledging that pop culture will reduce anything to a digestible pap. When you're trying to reach the majority of consumers, images tend to be lowest common denominator. Nobuyuki Hayashi, a well-known Tokyo-based tech and social media expert, concurs. Searches in the Japanese Twitter sphere and blog sphere show that most of the reactions were favorable, he says, adding the people who are blaming the artist for racism are non-Japanese, but most Japanese people are not taking it that seriously. Frank Takishida, managing director of Live Nation Japan, notes other artists may have caught less flack for this kind of video. This is a bad match with Avril's punk image, and that's why people may think it could be making fun of Japanese culture, he says. If Katy Perry would have made this video, I do not think anyone would argue. End quote. Regardless of whether or not the video can be perceived as racist or appropriating Japanese culture, it's clear that Avril's intention was to create something specifically aimed at her Japanese audience, with the direction and guidance of an all-Japanese crew, label, and management. The large majority of complaints came from non-Japanese fans, while many of her Japanese fans actually loved the song and video. Ryan Cabrera In November 2015, Avril was rumored to be dating fellow singer Ryan Cabrera after announcing her split from husband Chad Kroger that September. The two were said to be longtime friends and simply living together as roommates after Avril's divorce and Ryan's breakup with girlfriend Katie Krause. After the news broke, however, Katie tweeted, Not sure there's a worse feeling than being blatantly lied to for months by someone you trusted with your life. End quote. While it's not known who or what her tweet was directed at, many fans believe she was accusing Ryan of having cheated on her with Avril and that she was calling Avril out as the other woman. Avril then tweeted on November 19, 2015, Take the high road and try to find the humor in it while you do. If you're gonna be a bitch, be a hashtag classy bitch. Along with an image which said, Never sacrifice your class to get even with someone who has none. Leave them for the gutter. You take the high road. End quote. Fans perceive this to be Avril's response to Katie's accusations. 
A similar accusation had previously occurred when Avril got engaged to Chad Kroger in August 2012. An article by the Daily Mail details how Chad's ex-girlfriend, Kristen DeWitt, tweeted upon seeing the engagement news, The moment you find out your ex of four months engaged the girl he was cheating on you with. Hashtag classic. End quote. A source said, Chad and Kristen were happily dating until they made a mutual split in May. His engagement to Avril completely caught Kristen off guard and the timelines don't match up. Chad had to have been seeing Avril behind Kristen's back. Back in April, Chad confirmed to Dave and Jimmy from WNCI Radio, yes, I'm dating a girl from Ohio. According to reports, Avril and Chad have been dating for six months, which means they began dating in February, yet he and Kristen didn't break up until May, end quote. There are conflicting timelines for Avril's relationship with Chad as the pair were seen on a trip in Paris in May 2012, but it was unclear if the nature of their relationship was at all romantic by that point. Avril has gone on record saying they officially began dating on July 1st. So if it's true that Chad and Kristen broke up in May and he and Avril did not begin dating until July, Kristen's accusations would then be false. However, it's possible Chad may have started to develop feelings for Avril as they worked in the studio together at that time, which may have caused him to break up with Kristen. So just another little note to add on to that thought is that I can believe that there was possibly some overlap between those two relationships because Avril and Chad started working together, I believe, in February 2012. And this is the time that some reports say they started dating and then they were seen in Paris together that May and like all the pictures of them together just looked like they were going shopping and they weren't doing anything romantic. There was that one picture where it looked like they might have been holding hands, but there was a car in the way. So we can never tell exactly what was going on in that picture. But like I said, it's impossible to know if that trip together was like a romantic trip or just a friend trip. And so if it's true that Chad and Kristen broke up in May and then according to Avril, they started officially dating in July. So then there wouldn't have been any cheating going on there. But I can believe that there might have been some overlap with maybe some feelings, sort of like emotional cheating, I guess you could say, going on where, you know, if he and Avril were, work- were working together in the studio. And I think the first song they actually wrote together, Avril said, was Let Me Go, which was a breakup song. And so I can sort of see how there might have been some romantic feelings that might have gotten dredged up from the two of them working together. And it's possible that they kind of started falling for each other. Don't know if anything else, like maybe physical, might have been going on. But at at least probably emotional, I definitely think it's fair to say that probably, you know, fair to speculate might have happened Um, some emotional stuff going on while Chad was in a relationship. And maybe that made Chad kind of conflicted. And so maybe that's what led to him eventually breaking up with her and then entering officially a relationship with Avril, which I always thought it was a little strange that Avril said, like, she would use the word official, like we officially began dating in July. So it kind of implies that there was some stuff going on before that. But obviously, we don't know the full story. And like I have said before in previous episodes about Avril's personal life concerning Avril's personal life, I'm hesitant to really comment too much on it just because we don't really know the full story of everything. So this is just based on what we do know. And like I said, if maybe there was some emotional stuff going on is one thing. But in terms of the actual relationships themselves starting and ending, it would appear like if they didn't start dating until July, then there wasn't any physical cheating going on, presumably. Mark Zuckerberg. In December 2016, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg posted a video to the platform featuring an artificial intelligence system named Jarvis and asked it to play some good Nickelback songs. The AI then responds that it cannot complete the request because there, quote, are no good Nickelback songs. Avril then took to Twitter to respond since her ex-husband Chad Kroger is the frontman of Nickelback. In a tweet dated November 22, 2016, she wrote, Dear Mark, many people use your products. Some people love them and some people don't. Either way, you're allowed your musical opinion. However, your job at Nickelback is in poor taste. 
When you have a voice like yours, you may want to consider being more responsible with promoting bullying, especially given what's going on in the world today. Hashtag say no to bullying. Hashtag the joke is old. Hashtag Nickelback has sold over 50 million albums. XXAL. End quote. Mark never addressed Avril's tweet or apologized to Nickelback. I fell in love with the devil. After the release of Avril's song, I fell in love with the devil off her 2019 album Head Above Water, several conservative Christian fans accused her and the song of being satanic and anti-Christian. However, it's clear from the song's lyrics that Avril isn't promoting Satanism or devil worshiping, but rather using the devil as a metaphor for a toxic relationship she was in at the time. I myself am a practicing Catholic and do not find the song to be satanic, as it's clear from the song's lyrics that she is describing a toxic relationship and actually seeking salvation from it, not the other way around. Fight Lime Virtual Concert In October 2020, the Avril Lavigne Foundation sponsored a virtual concert called Hashtag Fight Lime with Avril and Friends to raise money for the foundation's mission to help those with Lyme disease. The concert was advertised to fans as their, quote, only chance to see Avril in 2020, due to Avril's Head Above Water international tour dates being postponed because of the COVID-19 pandemic. The pre-recorded concert was less than one hour long and consisted of performances done by a mix of artists from their homes, with Avril only doing four songs, prompting a slew of comments from fans who were unsatisfied with the show and claimed it to be false advertising, as they believed the concert would be live and consist of a full set from Avril. Several fans were so unsatisfied with the show they requested refunds. While refunds were not ultimately distributed, all mentions of the concert were wiped from Avril's social media following the event. While fans' disappointment is understandable, the promoters never advertised the show as being live or featuring a full set from Avril, as it was always billed as, and friends, implying that other artists would be involved. So just a little personal note to add on to this one, like my kind of own experience when this concert happened, I actually did buy a ticket to see this concert myself, and kind of just talking about what I remember about it and the the reaction after it. I have to say, I didn't really have super high expectations for this concert. I mean, as we know, in 2020, obviously with COVID going on, all the concerts were canceled and a lot of artists were doing virtual concerts, but I think a lot of them were doing them differently than how Avril did. I had watched a couple other virtual concerts where the artist was, it was like they had rented out a venue somewhere and had like a professional like HD camera set up and the full band and everything. And it was just, you know, like recorded ahead of time and simply streamed. And then people could access the stream with a ticket. And the couple of virtual concerts I had watched were actually pretty good. The thing with Avril's concert, for anybody who might not have seen it, is that she was performing in front of a green screen for a couple of the performances. Like basically she just did performances of Girlfriend and acoustic performances of Girlfriend and My Happy Ending in front of these weird green screens. And then for the last two performances, she did these stripped down acoustic performances just in her house of Head Above Water and We Are Warriors. And she did these kind of different arrangements of them. And so I I totally get that fans were disappointed that she only did four songs and none of them were really new. Because the other thing, too, is that there was a VIP option that was I think it was like $150 or something for the VIP option. And she didn't actually interact with the fans live at all. There was some kind of Q&A, like a pre-recorded Q&A of questions she'd been asked a million times. And then uh, an exclusive acoustic performance of Birdie. And that was like the most interesting thing about the concert, but only the VIPs got to see the performance of Birdie. It wasn't included in the actual set list of the concert. And then they also got an extra performance of, again, a pre-recorded acoustic performance of Skater Boy in front of, I think it, I think it was in front of one of those weird green screens again. So I think the way that they tried to do the concert was not the best. Because the other thing too is I think Avril was moving house at this time. And so it makes sense that she wasn't going to try to do a concert live while she was in the middle of all that. 
but I just feel like they could have done the concert better. And I mean, this is a whole other thing that's like not (laughs) really that relevant to the controversy itself. But the thing that's controversial about it is the fact that fans believed that they were that there was false advertising where they made it sound like it was the only chance to see Avril in 2020. And that like, I guess to them, they thought that meant that it would be like an actual live concert and that she was going to do like a full set with a full band and that sort of thing. And while I totally get that this concert could have been done way better, she could have performed a lot more songs. It could have been more like her show and less about the end friends part. I had kind of said, like, we we discussed it a lot on Avril Band-Aids right after it happened. First of all, I thought it was really weird that people would be asking for refunds when all the money went to charity, first of all. But also, I tried to say, like, while I was also disappointed in the final product that we got, technically her team didn't deliver or they didn't not deliver anything that wasn't promised. So they promised us a concert and that's what we got, such as it was. Like, yes, Avril could have performed more songs. She could have actually performed live or done the Q&A live or included Birdie in the Southwest, like those kinds of things. But they were very careful about their wording when they said only chance to see Avril in 2020. Well, that's because all of her concerts have been canceled. They never said only chance to see her live or anything like that. And like I said, the concert was always billed as with Avril and friends. So it was always implied that other artists were going to be involved. So this is kind of a weird one where it was kind of a controversial thing because the fans were really, I mean, there was like a huge, huge backlash after this concert where lots of fans were really, really disappointed in the final product that we got. And Avril or her team never addressed it at all. And what's even weirder is that they just like completely wiped any mentions of it from her social media. So I think they kind of know that fans were incredibly disappointed by the final product. But at the same time, I always felt kind of bad because I think in Avril's mind, she was doing something for charity. And like, she probably thought genuinely what she put out was like a good product. But I think she just like didn't see what other artists had done for virtual concerts. And this was probably like the best thing they could think of to do with everybody being separated and making sure that everything went smoothly from like a technical perspective. But I also remember too, like she would read off of a teleprompter for everything and just came off sounding really like wooden and hollow. So yeah, I I definitely agree that like the whole product could have been done way better. But, you know, I think at the same time, Avril, in Avril's mind, she was doing something for charity. And such as it was, I think, you know, it was about what I expected. Like, I wasn't expecting her to do that many songs and wasn't expecting it to be an entirely Avril show or anything like that. So I feel like the criticism to some degree was a little bit maybe expecting things that were never promised. So this was just kind of a weird little situation because the fans were really, really disappointed. And then Avril never addressed it. And she's never done like a virtual concert or anything since then. It's just kind of a weird one because this is a controversy between Avril and the fans directly. Like I said, while I get the disappointment, I also think maybe it was a little bit unfair. Like people were expecting things that were never exactly promised, in my opinion. Working with controversial figures. Lastly, we must discuss Avril's professional involvement with controversial figures. These include people such as Antonio Ellie Reed, Lucas Dr. Luke Gottwald, Marilyn Manson, Machine Gun Kelly, and Nicki Minaj, as well as her recent relationship with Tyga. So this is the thing that I mentioned in the beginning, a content warning here that there is going to be a lot of dark, disturbing things to be talked about in these following segments. So if that is something that you feel is not for you, then this is the time to exit out of this podcast. L.A. Reed, 
Most fans will know Antonio L.A. Reed as the man who first signed Avril to a record deal at age 16 with Arista Records. He oversaw the releases of her first two albums. He was then installed as the chairman and CEO of Epic Records in 2011, where the pair teamed up once again on Avril's self-titled album. However, in May 2017, it was announced that Reed would exit his post at Epic Records following an accusation of unlawful behavior by a female coworker. According to a report in the New York Times, Drew Dixon claimed Reed began sexualizing her during her time at Arista Records as an A&R executive and that he would, quote, turn cold when she denied his unwanted overtures, end quote, which reportedly included invitations to late-night meetups at his hotel. It was a quid pro quo. I have power, you want access, sleep with me, or I'm going to be really mean to you the next day, and there will be consequences, she told the Times. According to an article by Hannah Karp for Billboard magazine, Epic executives knew of Reed's alleged misconduct. However, a paid subscription is needed to read the article in full. Reed stated in response, I'm proud of my track record promoting, supporting, and uplifting women at every company I've ever run. That notwithstanding, if I have ever said anything capable of being misinterpreted, I apologize unreservedly. End quote. Sony ended up reaching a settlement that summer, and Avril continues to talk positively of LA to this day. Dr. Luke. Next is the story of Dr. Luke, who Avril worked with in 2006 for The Best Damn Thing. Beginning in October 2014, pop singer Kesha filed a series of lawsuits against him, claiming sexual assault and battery, sexual harassment, gender violence, civil harassment, violation of California's laws against unfair business practices, infliction of emotional distress, both intentional and negligent, and negligent retention and supervision. Her claims were dismissed on April 6, 2016. On April 11, 2018, Avril signed an affidavit confirming her decision to stop working with Dr. Luke after 2007 had nothing to do with Kesha. This was done to counteract Dr. Luke's claims that he had lost work due to the lawsuit and Kesha's claims. Avril has otherwise never commented on Dr. Luke or made any claims of misconduct by him herself. A film crew was present to document the recording of The Best Damn Thing, including Avril's sessions with Dr. Luke, which would have made it extremely difficult to hide any signs of potential abuse or misconduct. As of 2007, Avril has not worked with Dr. Luke. Marilyn Manson Avril has reportedly been friends with shock rocker Marilyn Manson since she was 18 years old. The two had previously hung out together on rare occasions on Avril's tour bus, and they teamed up on the track Bad Girl from Avril's fifth album in 2013. Several incidents of school shootings, including the Columbine High School Massacre, murders, and suicides have been attributed to Manson and his music, which is believed to have negatively impacted teens and young people. His music and live shows were previously heavily criticized for their inclusion of satanic themes to the point of shows being protested or outright canceled. Additionally, he has been accused of abuse by five different women, including his ex-fiancee, actress Evan Rachel Wood. A total of 16 people have made various allegations against Manson, including five accusations of sexual assault. Following the allegations, Manson was immediately dropped from his record label, talent agency, and his longtime manager. He issued a statement via Instagram, saying, Obviously, my art and my life have long been magnets for controversy, but these recent claims about me are horrible distortions of reality. My intimate relationships have always been entirely consensual with like-minded partners, end quote, and claimed the accusers were, quote, misrepresenting the past. His former wife, Dita Von Tees, stated that, quote, the details made public do not match my personal experience during our seven years together as a couple, end quote. Former girlfriend Rose McGowan said that Manson was not abusive during the relationship, but that her experience had, quote, no bearing on whether he was like that with others before or after, end quote. One of the four lawsuits that was brought against Manson settled out of court in January 2023, while another recanted her allegations and legal documents in February, claiming she was, quote, manipulated and pressured by Wood and her associates to make allegations against Manson that were, quote, not true. Manson then filed a lawsuit against Wood and Ashley Ilma Gore for defamation, intentional infliction of emotional distress, 
violations of the California Comprehensive Computer Data Access and Fraud Act, as well as the impersonation of an FBI agent and falsifying federal documents. In the suit, it is alleged that Wood and Gore spent three years contacting his former girlfriends and provided, quote, checklists and scripts to prospective accusers in order to corroborate Wood's claims, and that the pair impersonated and falsified documents from an FBI agent. The LACSD presented the findings of their 19-month investigation of the sexual assault allegations made against Manson to California District Attorney George Gasson in September 2022. Gasson called the file partial and said more evidence was needed in order to file charges. To this day, Avril still follows Manson on Instagram and recently praised him as one of her favorite collaborators, but has otherwise not spoken of or worked with him since 2013. Machine Gun Kelly While creating what would become her seventh studio album, Avril was introduced to rapper-turned-rocker Machine Gun Kelly by mutual friend Travis Clark of We The Kings. Avril and MGK have been good friends ever since, with Avril joining him as an opener for his mainstream sellout tour last summer. The pair also have a duet on Love Socks called Boys Lie. Among his many feuds with other musicians, his feud with Eminem is the most well-known. On May 7, 2012, he wrote a tweet saying that Eminem's daughter Haley was, quote, hot as fuck, despite her being 16 at the time and he was 22. In an interview with WQHT on October 19, 2015, MGK alleged this led to Eminem blacklisting him from a number of radio stations. However, in 2018, in an interview with the hip-hop radio show The Breakfast Club, he claims he did not know how old Eminem's daughter was when he made the comment and that he had apologized to Eminem. He also made inappropriate remarks about then-17-year-old Kendall Jenner in an interview with Fuse in 2013 when he was 23. He said, I'm not waiting until she's 18. I'll go now. I'm 23, dog. I'm not like a creepy age, you know what I'm saying? I'm 23, she's 17, and she's a celebrity. There's no limits right there. End quote. He then cited examples of other rock stars who had dated underage girls, such as Axl Rose and Robert Plant. The interview resurfaced online in February 2022, causing backlash. In 2012, he also made degrading sexual remarks about both black and white women in an interview with a black female journalist at the Black Entertainment Television Awards, saying, Black women give the best head, referring to oral sex. He then made a series of profanity-laden insults about a black woman who had walked away after overhearing his remarks. The clip resurfaced online in March 2022, with several calling for an apology from MGK and noted the hypocrisy given his daughter is half-black. Avril has not addressed these controversies and has only ever spoken positively of him. It is currently unknown if he is involved in Avril's next album. Nicki Minaj Rapper Nicki Minaj was added as a feature to the track Dumb Blonde from Head Above Water in 2019. In 2017, Nicki came under fire for defending her older brother Jelani, who was accused of sexually abusing and raping his 11-year-old stepdaughter. According to Page Six, Nicki wrote a letter to the judge overseeing the case in 2016 in hopes to get her brother a more lenient sentence. In the letter, she called her brother the, quote, most patient, gentle, genuine, giving, selfless man I know, end quote. Her brother, however, was found guilty and sentenced to 25 years in prison. To this day, Avril has not spoken of Nikki or worked with her since 2019. All-Time Low Throughout the Love Sucks era, Avril has shown her support for the alternative band All-Time Low by having them as an opening act on the Bite Me tour, as well as performing together at some of the same festivals. Additionally, she has been working with the band's frontman, Alex Gazkarth, over the last few months for her new album. In October 2021, several claims came out online from fans who accused the band of having sexual or inappropriate relations with underage fans. According to an article by Nancy Dillon for Rolling Stone magazine published on February 3, 2022, the band filed a libel lawsuit against at least three people who claimed in social media posts that the group sexually harassed or assaulted teenage fans. However, the article goes on to say that each of the three claims were proven to be falsified. Tyga 
Lastly, Avril has seemingly entered a romantic relationship with rapper Tyga, who groomed Kylie Jenner when she was only approximately 16 years old while he was 24, which is illegal in the state of California. In October 2021, he was also arrested for domestic violence. Additionally, he has a history of unpaid taxes, jewelry that was not paid for, and he was sued by three women for exposing their bare breasts without consent in his music video Make It Nasty in 2012 and 2013. Avril has not commented publicly on his controversies or confirmed they are dating. So that pretty much concludes our series on Avril's most known feuds and controversies, as well as controversial figures that she's worked with. I know that some of that was difficult to listen to. It was even more, trust me, even more difficult for me to research it and have to read about some of that. But I think it's all very important to, you know, put that stuff out there. And I know that especially with some of these people that she's been working with, that people were like, oh, why is she working with that person? And I was kind of wondering the same. And then when I actually dug deep and researched into some of these and found out, oh, you know what? Yeah, this person might have been accused of doing this thing, but they were not found to be guilty of that thing or it was proven to be made up or whatever the case might be. And so I do think it's important to kind of, like I said, this was kind of the whole point was to get the full story about these things because, you know, people can say anything about anything. And once you actually dive deep into it, you know, just because somebody gets accused of something doesn't mean that they're guilty. And also, I think we have to remember, too, that Avril, you know, gets to know these people on a deeper level than us. And so I think we have to kind of trust that once she gets to know people that, you know, maybe they said, oh, yeah, we were accused of doing this thing and that was totally made up. And I know, like, as far as the Tyga thing goes, we talked about that in, you know, a couple episodes back where you can hear all about that there. But for the most part, I hope that this was an interesting series of episodes. And like I had said before, it took a lot of research to do. And I hope that maybe for people who weren't around at the time that some of these things happened, or maybe you learned some new things, that maybe you got a little bit fuller picture of exactly what happened from somebody who was there during the time when these things happened. I think what I'm going to do next, by the time this episode comes out, Avril will have resumed her European tour for the Love Sucks tour, and hopefully she'll have added some new songs to the set list, like she had kind of said that she was going to. So I think that's going to be really fun, and we'll have something a little bit more fun to talk about next time. So for now, I'm not exactly sure when I'm going to be back or what the next episode will be, possibly a bonus episode on the tour if there's significant changes to it. But I hope in the meantime that you guys have all enjoyed these episodes. And like I said, with the tour coming back on and then at the end of April, she's going to have that feature with Elenium that everybody's really looking forward to. And hopefully we might even have some news on the next album. She was doing a photo shoot with Rolling Stone. And in the summer, she's going to be on Carpool Karaoke with Youngblood. So that will be really fun. So I think we're going to have some more fun, lighthearted stuff to look forward to, kind of like our regularly scheduled programming so to speak we'll have uh back on again so just kind of something to kind of lighten the mood again after such a kind of dark darker more heavy toned kind of episode but like i said nevertheless i hope you all found it interesting that maybe you learned something new it's just yet another part of the avril levine lore i guess so with that we conclude our series on avril's most known feuds and controversies and the real stories behind them Be sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform so you can get new episodes directly in your feed. And please don't forget to take a minute to leave a rating or review to help more fans find the show. We're currently streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Audible. Join me again next time on the Best Damn Avril Lavigne Podcast. The Best Damn Avril Lavigne Podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by Andre DeFrancesco. Theme music is HD and Lights by J. Powell Flicks. Follow the latest podcast news on Instagram at Best Damn Avril Pod or email Best Damn Avril Pod at yahoo.com.